You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 412. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hi, David. How are you? I'm okay. <clears throat> You're spending some money this last week. Oh, spending money. I've been trying I not have, to lately. I have a disease. Yeah. Yeah, it's called eBay. So, yeah, the problem the problem I particularly have is that in, I, I mentally fund the stuff I buy by selling things I already have. But the difficulty is, is that, you know, that's kind of that's a promise that never gets kept if you're not careful. You know, you have to get around to actually selling the things that you mean to sell to fund the things. And, of course, then there's a there's a, uh, a cash flow problem there as well. Isn't it? Yeah, it's not usually you know, a zero sum gain. Exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah, what can I do? So you, I like to, I like to feel I, I can justify this one. Well, you told me right before we started recording that you actually um, sent a lowball offer, a make offer, if you will, on eBay, yeah. and asked if I'd ever done that. And the answer is, I don't remember if I've ever done it, but I don't think I have. It's one of the more thrilling things you can do on eBay because basically what you do is you look at something and you think. I, I quite want to buy that, but I don't want to pay what the guy is asking. Quite a high proportion of transactions on eBay now are not actually auctions. They right, are buy it now. Price. Right, buy it now. Yeah, um, the, the kind of the marketplace has moved towards that over probably the last five years or so, and obviously there's a lot of dealers and stuff like that on there. But um, again, as well, you know, if you, I find I sell a lot on eBay as well. I find that um, if you're not in a hurry to sell it, you don't. You're not in a hurry to get the money, uh, are you, or you're not really sure what it's worth, and you have, but you have a figure in mind. Sometimes what you do is stick it up as a buy it now and just kind of leave it there and see what happens. And I've had stuff sit on eBay for four or five months and then suddenly sell. So, um, yeah, this, this looked like one of these. It was actually listed recently. It was a camera. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get some good quality but older cameras at the moment. Why? Um, because um, these are things that I've always wanted to experiment with and I've never done. And I've, I've decided that um, I'm done with the whole DSLR mirrorless camera thing. Those things are just too big. Yep. Uh, and I have one and I never use it because I always mainly use my phone. Well, that's um, the case with most people, I think. Yeah. We have a DSLR. I talked about it years ago on either TechFan or the MyMac podcast. I don't remember which. And I was really excited because I got it for a killer price. And it takes amazing photos. It's a Sony. Yeah. I've maybe taken 300 photos with it tops. Yeah. That's and I problem. don't even know where it is. It's in the basement somewhere. Yeah. And if you do get it out, it's probably not charged and all this sort of thing. So I am the, – the, the difficulty is, is that as fantastic as the iPhone cameras are and they get better every year and by all accounts – from the reviews we've seen this week, the iPhone 11 cameras are amazing. Yep. There are some things they can't do, or there's some things they don't do well. They don't do. Um, they don't have big, powerful zooms in. So if you want to get close to a subject that you're not physically close to, they can't help you. And they're also, uh, we'll see what the iPhone 11 is like in practice, but they're traditionally not very good in low light. I've um, seen some review, early reviews. Uh, this one, I think John Gruber linked it on his site at DaringFireball.net, but it was someone every year takes the new iPhone to Disneyland yeah, or I Disney World, one, yeah. which whatever one it is. And he took a bunch of photos, and a lot of them were in dark mode. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, or low light mode, I guess you'd say. And I have to be honest, it looked pretty spectacular. It, it did, and I'm very excited to try that out. But even then, the problem with dark mode you're going to find is that it has limitations. It has to take a whole bunch of photos in order to be able to uh, computationally generate that ama- those amazing looking samples you see. The difficulty is sometimes you can't, you, you know, the environment you're in is not stable enough to do that. For instance, suppose you're at a concert and you want to take a picture of your significant other and the stages behind them. Dark mode is not going to help you there because the whole environment is moving and it's going to take a whole load of photos and then it's going to try and figure them out. If it works, great. You know, kudos to Apple. But actually, in reality, that in that sort of con- uh, position, you want a camera with a good fast lens on it and you just can't get that on the iPhone. Not in the way, not in the way that you can on on bigger cameras. So this is anyway. This is why I've been looking at, you know, these older cameras. I don't want to pay a lot of money, but I want to try and up my photography game a little bit uh, and learn some of the techniques because I think that's also part of it as well. Is that the problem with computational photography and iPhone cameras is everyone is kind of forgetting how to, you know, take take photographs. You know, using the skills we all used to have to use to be able to get good results. I want I want to play around with that and and kind of pick up and polish up those skills. So anyway, uh, this was one of these ones where the guys stuck out and buy it now, and I put in what I thought was a ridiculously stupid lowball offer, expecting it either to be rejected straight away or if he was going to sit on it, it would go by um, for a while and then it, it would expire and that'd be it. Um, and just before we came on, I got a ding on my phone, and uh, the guy accepted my offer. So uh, I'm pretty pleased. I've got a bargain there. This is a camera that was top of the range probably four years ago, something like that. Um, and um, yeah, I got it for silly money. So, is it a big? Is it a DSLR? No, type no. Camera? This is this because the point is, is as I say, I have a. A mirrorless. Uh, I think I have, I have a Canon M series, which is a compact mirrorless camera. But the problem is, even with that, with the detachable lenses, it, it's too big. And and the, the the difficulty as well is, you if if you don't have a kit lens for it, but you have different lenses for different situations, you lose all the compactness of the camera because you end up dragging more than one lens with you to swap for different situations. Right. I have a, a zoom lens for it, a 55 to 200. Um, and then I also have like a 50 millimeter fixed lens. So if I'm taking pictures of people, I want the 50 millimeter. If I'm taking pictures of the environment I'm in, I want the 55 to 200. So I have to carry the lenses with me and then swap them over. It's frankly a pain in the neck, which means that I don't often do it, which means I don't take those sort of pictures. So I've been looking at, at the higher end compact cameras from a few years ago. These ones generally had fast glass and Bigish sensors for compact cameras. They were kind of they sat between the middle between, um, you know, the cheap point and shoot compacts and then the you know the the entry level DSLRs. These things, um, and I wanted one of those to see what the results looked like. I'm also kind of interested to see if a camera from that period of time with good glass on it, how those pictures compare to an iPhone of today. Yeah, I'm you know, kind of curious so- about that myself because. You know, before the iPhone, I had many different digital cameras. I reviewed a lot of them at MyMac.com, for instance, back in the day. Yeah. But <clears throat> I don't think I've got any of them left. Um, yeah. Cole was going to uh, camp, mm-hmm. and we wanted to allow him to take some photos. So Julie went out and bought an inexpensive digital camera. And 
it never worked. It I don't know how much we paid for it, but the it just never worked. It was crap. I think it was twenty bucks, but I, literally it wouldn't even take photos. It was it was terrible. Yeah. Um, my thought was I should have just given him an older iPhone or one of these Android phones that I got sitting here. Mm-hmm. But yep. the problem with that compared to a dedicated dedicated camera is, especially in his situation where he's camping, is he can't charge the phone. Yeah. So he would literally have to turn off the phone, power it down, power it up <clears throat> to take some photos. And then remember to turn it off again to powering it down. Because if he left it in standby mode, it's just not going to last the whole you know week yeah. of camp. It's just not. Yeah. So, so there are some benefits to a dedicated camera that takes two AA or AAA batteries that yeah. you take two or three photos, you turn it off, and it's off. And that those batteries will last probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photos. Exactly. Now, and this is kind of where I'm coming from. Now, I in that position... I wouldn't go out and buy a new camera for $20. I would buy a used camera from a few years ago for a little bit more, maybe $40, $50. I have a um, – one of the other cameras I bought recently is a Panasonic TZ40. I think it was the, it was known as a ZS40 in, in the States. And this is a compact camera, fits in a pocket. Yeah, it was near the top of the range when it was when it was new, which was about 2013, 2014, something like that. It's got an 18-megapixel sensor on it and a 20 times – Zoom range, optical yeah. zoom. Now, now, that literally can take pictures I could no, never take with my iPhone. And, and as I say, I want to do some work with it to see whether generally, I, I suspect the situation is if I take like a, you know, a regular portrait or snap with it, it's probably going to be a bit of a wash between that camera and the iPhone. Perhaps the iPhone might be better. Um, but I think uh, there are some types of photos you're just not going to be able to take with uh, the iPhone that that can take, principally because of that zoom range. You know? yeah. and, and if you're if you're on vacation, uh, take Disneyland for example. There's a lot of times you can't get close to the things you want to take a picture of at Disneyland because it's full of people. Yeah, yeah, and that's the time when you want to be able to have a, a zoom lens uh, because you, in those situations, I, I most of the time you don't care about the ultimate sharpness or quality. You just want a picture of the you know Millennium uh, Falcon. Yeah, or or yeah, or um, what's her name, uh, Elsa on the float, or something sure. like that, because your kids are going to get a kick out of it, and they just want a picture of it. They don't care how good it is. The problem is, you can stick your iPhone up and take that out, and then the subject you're after will be a tiny little dot in the middle, and you can zoom in, but um, then you're kind of battling the laws of physics there, um, and uh, you may end up look, getting something that looks okay-ish, maybe, but it's luck of the draw. And, you know, but then you go back to the whole conundrum and that the iPhone for the or an Android phone solves for the vast majority of the population, which is the best camera is the one you have with you. And I don't want to carry another camera with me, even though, sure, it's probably going to take better pictures. But I think for most people, yeah, it's good enough. Yeah. No, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is for everybody. I am... You know, coming in is really from perhaps more enthusiasts about photography than a lot of people. I think the phones are great for most people. Um, I think if you are in, if you're thinking about the type of pictures you want to take before you go, then you may want to think about perhaps I need more than one tool. But as I say, I, I'm not looking at DSLRs or even the mirrorless cameras. I'm looking at something you can stick in a pocket because otherwise I won't have it with me and, and it won't be charged. And what's the point? So here's the question then. And I 
kind of think I know what your opinion on this is going to be. I know what mine is, obviously. Um, five years from now. Yep. Is, I think, and see if you agree, do you think that the market is going to be high-end cameras and that's it? That the, the dedicated camera market for the low-end and the mid-range are just going to go away because the phones are so good at taking photos that the only other option for anybody, really especially if you're into you know professional photography, is the high-end cameras. That's it. It's going to be high-end cameras or people just use their phone. Uh, I, I suspect that's right. I think it's already happening. I think it is at, too. If you look at the say, I, I saw, um, um, I'm going to send you a link to this article. Uh, I saw a, an article by Al Malik where he actually looked at sales of compact cameras. Yeah, I've got um, it. And, yeah, and, and basically, you know, they are falling through the floor. Even mirrorless is starting to fall. Yep. And it's just basically because the phone cameras are now getting so good that 90% of people don't want any other camera. And the only, as you say, the only people who are interested are enthusiasts. So, and you look at the, I, I, when I, when I go looking at old cameras, I like to see what the current price of the, of the modern equivalent is. So that TZ40 I mentioned, yep. the current modern equivalent is a TZ80 or a TZ90. Then they have the TZ100, which is, on the same camera, the same concept, but with a bigger sensor in it, and that's really jumping up in price. But uh, you know, a TZ, TZ90 is going to be two hundred fifty pounds, nearly three hundred pounds, which is kind of what the one I've got now costs when it was new. Well, people aren't spending that sort of money on cameras anymore. No, they're not. Uh, you know, nobody, very few people are going to go out and say, you know what, I want a camera for a trip, and I'm going to go out and drop two hundred fifty, three hundred pounds on a compact camera. And, you know, the funny thing is that the compact camera, especially the mid-sized market, are taking phenomenal pictures nowadays. They are just absolutely great cameras. But it doesn't matter, you know. It's the same thing with that happened in music, you know. The, The compact disc is dead, even though the compact disc audio quality is way better than all the digital and streaming services that we use on a daily basis. Yeah. So we're giving up. Um, something better for something that's more convenient. And I think that is kind of the overall reaching <sighs> direction, if you will, trajectory of the technologies that we're using, that we give up better quality for convenience. Yeah. I I always think that when I see watch, people watching sports on their phone. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> but yeah, but the thing is, is it means people can watch live sports wherever they are. If they're in a bar, they're on the train. They're, um, you know, they're sat waiting for their wives or, or, or partners or whatever. Or, you know, you see people and they're watching, they're watching sports on a, on a five-inch screen. Now, go back a few years and people said nobody would ever do that. Well, Steve Jobs famously said that. Uh, but the reality is, is that a five-inch screen nowadays is so high resolution that you can get away with that. Uh, and secondly, it's the fact that they want to watch the sports live or near live. They don't want to wait till they get home and... You know, catch it on streaming or catch up and worry about somebody spilling the results, you know, their friend ringing them and ribbing them about their team getting kicking or whatever. They want to see it live. And uh, so, again, that's convenience trumping quality. And, you know, the one, I think, quite honestly, um, category that the convenience actually expanded the market is books. Because there's a lot more people now writing books, authors, than I think ever before, honestly, because you can get published. It, you don't have to go through, you know, some 
I don't know, publishing house to get your book out there. And remember, I did an interview, and I think it was here on TechFan, um, or maybe it might have been OWC Radio. I think it was OWC Radio uh, with T.H. Uh, Harris or T.R. Harris because yeah. he writes one of my favorite book series. And he never would have got published. Never would have got published. But he did because he just he did it himself on uh, Amazon, and he still does it. You know, I'm, I I still read his stuff, and he wouldn't have a career as an author if it wasn't for that platform. But now, well, yeah. is is reading books is it worse now than it used to be because you're reading it on a small device instead of a phone? I would argue that no, I don't think that. I think the convenience of reading. Is actually made easier because of the technology, and that's the opposite. Because you're not getting less quality, although some people could say, "Well, kind of you are," um, but I, I would disagree with it. Um, I would say that you know, with the music industry, it's kind of the same, but not. You're not going to get the same audio quality as you would have on a CD, but you're getting a, access to a lot more artists that you never would have heard before because they don't need the record company to get their stuff out there. Well, I, I think the music industry is a poor example because I, I think despite the advantages of the economics of uh, distribution that digital has given us, the music industry seems to have corralled itself into a situation where there's still the gatekeepers between them and the artists and the, and the publishers are making all the money and the artists aren't. Well, only at, at the higher end level. I'm talking about jumping on YouTube and delving deep into these bands or singers or songwriters that don't have a record deal and that you could find them. My daughter brings stuff up to me quite often. Hey dad, follow this. Uh, look at this video. And it's just some girl yeah. in her living room playing a guitar. And it's unbelievable. It's great. That, that, that is true. And I, in fact, there's been several, there's been several people who've risen to prominence uh, in the UK who basically started like that. And they were discovered by doing YouTube videos. And uh, then they fact, fall into the trap that you just mentioned that well, yeah, yeah. they, they, they and, get and, big because of that. And then they don't make any money because the record companies steal it all. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just trying to think. I'm, I'm kind of wondering. I think Ed Sheeran might have started like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of Ed Sheeran, did you see that movie yesterday? I haven't seen it yet. No. It, it's really good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. For those who don't know what that is, it's a movie. This guy, uh, this worldwide phenomenon happens. Everything, it loses power, the world, for like 10 seconds. And this one guy gets hit by a bus. And when he wakes up, his he loses some teeth. He's not in great shape. And he's a singer-songwriter, and he's failed. He's giving up. Uh, his manager gives... And I'm not saying anything that's not in the you know 60-second trailer. trailer. Yeah. He, his girlfriend gives him a guitar, and he plays it for her and a couple friends. And he sings, I think... I don't remember which song it is now, but he sings a Beatles song and they're like, Oh my God, that's, that's a, an amazing song. When did you write that? And he's like, I didn't write that. Paul McCartney wrote that John Lennon. And they're like, who? He's like the Beatles. And he's, they, no one's ever heard of the Beatles. He yeah. goes home and does a Google search, the Beatles and it's the, a Beatle. Yeah. <laughs> and so he makes his whole career on redoing other Beatles stuff. And Air Sheraton is, is in that movie. And it's, it's really I like the movie a lot. It was good. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I, you know, get a, getting off path a little bit, but highly recommended for me. It's on iTunes now too. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and yeah, it's true. I'm just looking at his Wikipedia entry. He he basically he grew his fan base through YouTube. Mm-hmm. So you know, one of the biggest stars in the world now, and uh, started on YouTube. So there you go. And and it's the same. You know, it's the same with the books. 
obviously yeah. you can self-publish now because effectively the the beauty of digital publishing is it's removed that kind of thousand dollar entry fee which any publisher had to bet on you to take your book and kind of have it turned into a physical object yep. which you know with a with a certain number of runs and their distribution and all that sort of thing all that risk has been taken financial risk has been taken away yeah so uh, now you can self-publish and you can also be discovered self-publishing and then get a bigger deal if, you, if that's the way you want to go now movies kind of gone backwards i mean when you when you think of movies now we're thinking of the like yesterday for instance which probably cost 10 million dollars or more to make maybe even more because they used all those Beatles songs it's probably expensive as hell um but you know the big movies that everyone knows about the marvel stuff and star wars and you know those type of movies whereas towards the middle of the 90s we had a huge independent movie scene that pretty much does not exist at all on any level at all today. And yet we've got distribution on YouTube, which is free. Uh, the iPhone and the compact camera or and the uh, cell phones can take amazing video. So the equipment isn't very expensive. Now, the audio quality isn't great, but there's workarounds for that. Um, there, uh, why isn't there an amazing independent movie thing going on? I just I don't see it. Yeah, I, maybe, maybe it's maybe it's there, and it's just not in the circles that you and I follow. I mean, maybe YouTube and other platforms, Instagram, one sort of thing, is where the next big kind of video uh, movie directors are coming from. I don't know. I don't either. Uh, you know, it used to be that uh, a lot of guys uh, and girls would start with music videos and stuff. Well, did you know uh, they? every band still makes a lot of music videos and stuff? I had no idea. They're all on YouTube now. MTV yeah. obviously doesn't play yeah, them, but no, they're all I, on YouTube. I, I, I did, but I didn't because I never. I can't tell you the last time I watched a music video. It bores me. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, you know, the other thing, of course, now is most bands can now release uh, live cuts of, of performances they've done and that sort of thing as well. No, no. I think um, some. Again, it's been like all things music. It's been monopolized by certain companies. There's a company called Vivo, who are very big in uh, music video distribution, and uh, a lot of artists are tied up with them. Um, and they lock the rights down and all the, all that good stuff that, that the uh, music execs like to do. So I know, getting back to topic, that you know you you got this camera coming in. What's your expectations? What do you think is going to be the result of you getting this camera? Well, I'm, I'm, for a start, it's going to get me taking more pictures because I'm going to so? make the effort. I'm going to make the effort to go out and kind of use it and. Um, you know, kind of see what I can do with it. Uh, I'm going to spend a bit of time, you know, like I say, rediscovering some of the techniques I used to use when I was a big DSLR fan. Um, and, yeah, we've got some family occasions coming up, and I'm hoping that that um, travel Zoom that I've got is really going to come in handy for that because it's not the sort of thing where you're going to be able to shoulder your way to the front to get the pictures that, that perhaps people want. Yeah. So um, from that point of view, it's good. And as I say, you know, it's... It's a fun thing to play around with for relatively little money. The whole, you know, both both the two cameras together have cost me less than a hundred pounds. So yeah, that's good. Um, we're not talking about huge investments. I also get, I personally, I just and you you know this, but anybody who's listened to the show for a while knows this as well. I get a kick out of buying stuff that used to be high end and expensive for bargain money, and you know, trying to use it because let's face it, I, I've got a. I've got a good job, and but I don't have infinite money. I can't go out and buy the latest high-end compact camera. I mean, you, for, uh, the, I think probably the, the best-regarded 
non um you know non body only type camera one with a built in lens in in the compact space now is probably the sony r x one hundred yeah um and that has a big kind of one inch sensor so it's kind of like a DSLR uh, sensor uh, and a very good fixed um, Zeiss lens on it, but that's like a seven seven eight hundred pound camera. <laughs> and and yeah, I'm not. If I was a professional photographer, yeah, I might want to pick one of, the, one of those up as a as a spare in case my DSLR broke. But I'm not going to go out and buy that now. No. But if I can buy buy the equivalent um, camera from five six years ago and I can pay less than a hundred pounds for it, yeah, I'm going to have a go at that. So let's talk about uh, a little bit of a feedback. Uh, couple yeah. episodes ago you had that solo show where um the audio wasn't good no something happened right, yeah. um, and that, that, that is something i still need to do is um sit down with that microphone and do some work to try and figure out how i can get better performance out of it but joseph got in touch with us um because remember that episode i talked about doing the um the apple the apple events the apple um teaching events on procreate and uh, Joseph got back to us. He says, I don't care how bad you think David's audio was. I just want to say thanks for highlighting those courses at Apple. Went today with my daughter and we had a great time. Our instructor, Anton, was amazing. So that's been set on our queue for reading out for some few weeks, Joseph. So um, apologies for not getting to that sooner. But thank you very much for the uh, feedback. And I'm, I'm, good you had a, I'm glad you had a good time. Awesome. John Nemo actually uh, wrote in last week uh, about the show before. Um, talking about you know Apple had the event and we I was kind of saying maybe it's time that these go away or they get someone more charismatic and uh, John Nemo said uh, this week's tech fan was great I fully agree that Apple's current presentation style is really out of the date these days Tim Cook just doesn't have the charisma to carry off these events in the way Steve Jobs did. It's time they found someone within their ranks who could carry such an event. I reckon that Eddie Q would be a start. But they should never have let Bozema St. John go to Uber. I can't remember whether it was one or two keynotes she presented at, but her performance was electric. Um, I don't remember her, to be honest. She was the, um, I think she introduced Apple Music. Um, she's an African-American lady. She was, I mean, she was really good. She, was, she had a real energy about her. Whether um, whether she could do a whole keynote or not, I don't know. But um, I think somebody should have stopped to go for Uber because who, who wants to go and work at Uber? Yeah, especially if you're a woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we've all read the re- news stories, you know. Although yeah. maybe she's the one that could turn the, the toxic culture around. I don't know. Um, I, I don't so. think so, but more power to her if she can. I wish her all the yeah. best. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know. I, I've read a couple articles since we talked about it, and it looks like I wasn't alone in my opinion that is it really time to retire these type of, of an event? Now, John Gruber had a long thing about it. Yeah. And he said, well, no, it's it's not time because look how many views it gets. Well. Uh. I, look, I, I read that article too uh, and, and Gruber's critique of it. I think I agree with Gruber that, you know, it's it's – should they go away? No. Why should they go away? Apple, they're a press event. Apple needs to get press out there. If they want to do it like this, then they let them do it like this. Nobody should say, oh, they shouldn't be done anymore. But, you know, you and I both agree that we, we don't, we think they need some serious work yeah. to try and make them more compelling events to watch. Um, and, you know, we talked about it last time. Maybe Apple doesn't care. Maybe they don't care about the reception. But, you, you know, you and I both felt that the the reception, the talk about the event takes something away from the products, which is what the thing's meant to be about. Exactly. 
Yeah. So um, from that point of view, look, I understand these guys who run this company want to get out the front, and I understand that there's a little bit of the kind of the cult of Mac type thing going there, where yep. everyone you know talks talks about these guys by their first names and you know with their uh, nicknames like you know uh, Craig Federici in the hair and and all of these sorts of things, but the rest of the world doesn't care about any of that. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing that you have this insider baseball with the with the fans of the company or the products. I don't have a problem with that. My problem is it's boring, and it, and it yeah. was kind of embarrassingly boring because they just don't have any kind of presence, and they're doing something where presentation matters. You're talking about these great products, and yet you're boring as heck to talk about it. It's I, It could be the greatest product in the world, but if you can't pull it off, standing in front of audience for 10 minutes talking about it to try to build excitement all i'm thinking of is this is really boring and he's bad on stage then it kind of defeats the purpose yeah and and perhaps what they need to do is just loosen the whole thing up a little bit you know it's over rehearsed it's over scripted the people writing the scripts are frankly awful and it's the same people that's obviously been doing it for many years because nothing changes it's the same even the even even the way they present the event, yeah, you know, it's not colorful. Everything's black behind them. It looks like the same. When I say keynote, I mean the application keynote presentations on the screen. It's just boring. Yeah, it's uh, it's yawn inducing to me, I, and I, I want to be excited. Get me excited about it. It's certainly true that the. Um I mean, it used to be a way of showing off how great Keynote was, but yeah. now, unfortunately, as as with many things, Apple, Keynote is something that has been stagnating for some time, and it shows because it's not showing anything new in these presentations. No. In fact, you it's know, kind of boring to work with now because it's just it's uninspiring. I use Keynote once a year for the Mac Stock show when I yeah. do the game show, and I've created, what, three game shows out of there? And... Uh, you know, I would like to do something cool on the screen, but it's really limited. I feel like it's almost like it has blinders on like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to do this? And it's it it just doesn't do those things. And I'm like, eh. yeah, you know, I got to find workarounds to, to get what I want it to do. And just this last year, I just gave up any kind of pretense to making a, a slick presentation and just slide, slide, slide. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is PowerPoint's part of Office um, three six five. That's getting updated all the time. Yeah. You know, uh, well, Apple has got a most, a. most people don't use PowerPoint. No. Anyway, though. No, but you know. but Apple, I think, has, and I'm not going to say fallen into because I think they've been like this for a very even when Steve Jobs was there, a very long time that they'll release a great product and then it just stagnates on the vine forever. Nothing yeah. is ever done to make it better. And you, you want them to, well, where was this excitement that I saw on this Steve, on this Steve Jobs keynote when he was talking about this product? And it was exactly like he said it was in this presentation, and it's been six years, and it's exactly the same as it was six years ago. What are you doing? Come on. Well, they, yeah, look, they're doing an awful lot more than they were ever doing before. Um, and it, just the focus is not in these areas. It's just, you know, the focus is on, I mean, look, let's... Let's talk about iOS 13. Yep, that's what I was just going to go with. This is thing they do every year, and um, this year it's pretty rough. Yeah, and I know you upgraded. I have not. I know that 13.1 is coming out Tuesday, I believe. Um, yeah. I know it's next week. That's not a good and, look for a start. 
No. <laughs> it's like, well, why didn't you just hold off releasing iOS 13 until you incorporated its 13.1, and that's when you release it? They it makes no hit, sense. They had to hit the ship dates for the new phones. That's why. So they had to have an iOS 13 for the new phones. Um, originally, this, this second version was going to be two weeks afterwards. They pulled it back a week, and I think that's because there's so much negativity around the iOS 13.0. iOS 13. Um, you know, look, so here's my experience. I upgraded yesterday, and really the only reason I upgraded is because uh, last night I was in a coffee shop with fast Wi-Fi for two hours, so I figured I might as well... It was, it was a couple of gig download. I figured I might as well do it there where I'd actually get it onto my phone um, rather than do it at home where I'd I'd have to leave it overnight and it might fail. So yeah. that's kind of why I end up doing it. And I'd read that people were being advised not to do this, and I figured, oh, what the hell? Uh, give me something to talk about today. So I did it. Um, it's the, it did take a while, even with the fast Wi-Fi, but it, actually installing on the phone took a while. Um, one of the things that frustrates me about these iOS updates now is is they kind of boot up after you've done it, and then it's like there is nothing to tell you what's new. <laughs> It's just like, you know, throw me a bone here, guys. So I remember I, a couple of iOS updates where it would actually kind of go into this whole presentation on what's new and swipe next to see what's new, and that's not there well, at all. Let's face it. All it needs is a link on the home screen saying click here, uh, and it takes you to uh, a website from Apple that actually lists the new features and how to use them. That would... That would be nice. But anyway, I digress because that's actually bugs we're talking about. So um, once I had it installed, it then wanted to uh, update my watch to iOS 6. So I did that, and that basically wiped um, my uh, regular watch faces. So all the um, customizations I have in terms of complications and everything are gone. So that was the first one. That's nice. Yeah. Then um, it has this new feature on Messages where it wants to... Um, basically create like an emoji face. It's a bit like um, the um, the Nintendo avatars that you have on, on the Switch. Yep. You know, where you can basically make a, a cartoon representation of yourself. So I did through all that and halfway through that it kind of crashed and I was left with um, my half created um, what do they call it? Um, emoji face or whatever it is. Uh, the keyboard was stuck on the bottom uh, and I couldn't move any further the only thing I could do was go back to the home screen and then kill messages and start it again so that wasn't much fun either and then when I got in my car this morning um, the phone refused to reconnect to my bluetooth audio in my car for more than 5 seconds um, and then it would drop off again and you turned off bluetooth and turned it back on again it would reconnect and then 5 seconds later it would drop again and the only way to fix that was to completely delete the pairing on both my car and my phone and then repair it so and that's just for starters um that's pretty much and i've had a couple of apps that have crashed but you know i kind of give them a bit more of a pass on the apps because that might be a problem in the app themselves rather than the um rather than the ios it's not been updated properly um, oh, I have noticed as well for some reason. Um, this I noticed this on 12.4 as well. Is that uh, I have that setting on my phone where it it kind of tosses apps if you're running out of space, but leaves the placeholder on the screen so you can download it again. Yep. Um, it seems, despite the fact that I have about 10 gig free on my phone, it seems to be tossing apps with abandon, even if I've used them recently, um, which is really quite annoying because I have space and I don't really want it to throw anything away until I actually need the space. 
And yet mm-hmm. it seems to be in the background just kind of culling half of my apps. I'm just scrolling through my home screen now, and at least 56% of my apps have got that cloud icon next to them. Yeah, that's so, kind of annoying, but I get why they do it. Um, the flip side of that is uh, I'm trying to update an older iPad that Julie uses for her um, vinyl cutting and all that. There's an app that just crashes all the time now. So my yeah. idea is let's update the iPad, see if there's an update for that app after we update it. But it, there's no room on it, and it's because Cole used to play on it, so there's a ton of games on it. I'm talking like 20 pages worth of just stuff that no one plays at all anymore. Yeah. Talking Tom type of apps, you know. And so I went to update everything, and it's just like there's just not enough room. So and I had already hit update everything, so now... It has that little, I don't know, the icon where it's kind of grayed out. Yeah. I can't delete it because it thinks there's an update. I can't delete it. And there's not enough other apps that I can delete to free up room. So it will update so I can then delete it. So the only workaround is I had to go back to software update and cancel each update individually and then go start to delete the apps. And I'm about halfway through that. And I still don't have enough room. I'm like, geez, what is... This is ridiculous, but it is what it is. Actually, now that I say that, I bet there's a bunch of movies on here. (laughs) How much you want to bet it's movies? Probably. Well, Brooke used it before, too, and she wanted some TV shows and stuff like that on here, so I would would bet that that's what it is. The other thing is I tried to sign up for Apple Arcade. That just completely failed to work. Really? Yeah. Because that's the one that I was kind of interested in. Yeah, I know. Well, that's that's why I wanted to try it. Uh, it looked like I'd... Well, I'm looking at it now. It looked like I'd signed up because I saw... I scrolled through the list of all the games that were on there. Um, and I thought it was offering me download icons, but I've gone into it now and it's saying... still saying, try it free. And I've just looked at my subscriptions um, in my settings app part of the phone and it says I'm not subscribed to uh, Apple Arcade. So that kind of failed as well, which is... I, I've got to be honest... Apple Arcade I'm really kind of excited about, but they have not taken the opportunity to update the App Store interface on here to kind of make best use of it. It's still the same unsearchable mess it is on the rest of the App Store. Yeah, that's pretty sad, too. Yeah. Um, Boy, there was one movie on here. I was incorrect. But there was, like I said, there was hundreds. Now if I go to the App Store and I go to Update, and I've deleted a ton of stuff on here. Now there is, it doesn't tell me how many, scrolling, scrolling, probably 25, no, 20 updates. So some of the stuff like Minecraft and Blockheads and Deer Hunter and Five Nights at Freddy, I can go in and delete that stuff and then run the update and that stuff won't be listed. So maybe I can update that iPad at that point. Um, iPhone 11. I know you got one on order. Did did you actually get it yet? By the way, thank you to John and Joseph for sending in feedback. I should have said that earlier. We'd like to have feedback from uh, more listeners. Simply send us an email, the show at techfanpodcast.com, or hit us up on um, Twitter like Donnie did and called us the grumpy old men. <laughs> <clears throat> he was right. He's not. Yeah, I was going to say he's not wrong. He's, he's not that, wrong. Got that one down. Um, yeah, mine is. Well, it. <laughs> We're going to hold off on our orders because we need a bunch of them. We need about 15 phones. And um, I actually discussed it with my boss this morning uh, because he said, oh, you know, when are we going to get the new phones in? I said, well, 
let's wait until they're on the market and the supply is good and there are no kind of you know no problems bugs and that yep. sort of thing so i said let's let's wait till november um and and order them then and we'll get them in for december time and roll them out to people then so that's probably when we're going to get ours but uh, yeah, i'll be getting a good christmas present i noticed people. the uh the upgrade price for six from 64 to 128 is only 50 pounds now so i might see if the boss will let me uh, get a 128 gig phone rather than 64 mm-hmm. and avoid some of these space issues i'm facing here but it's funny that you know everything's cloud-based now and yet we still need more and more and more space on a phone yeah and, and you know recently i had to upgrade from the uh 79p a month 50 gig tier for my iCloud storage to the 200 which is two pound 50 a month and oh really <laughs> silly because obviously you know it's it's not a huge amount of money in the grand scheme of things but i really ground my teeth before i <laughs> before i yeah. did that no i get it because you know it, it just seems to be real nickel and diming type stuff but i needed it the 50 gig was full i have at least shared it across me and the kids now, so at least it's not sat there empty. Because I was worried that, oh, it will go up to about, I, I've run out of space at 50, it'll get up to about 52, 53 gig, and then it'll just sit there, and that would really wound me up. You know what's bugging me? How buggy, how, how buggy iOS 13 is reported to being. Uh, and, and you experienced that yourself. Yeah. I was, I'm, I'm dying to get iOS 13. And I've already said on the show here, the main reason is the update to Apple CarPlay. I'm yep. dying to get that. I want Siri to have integration with the other navigation apps, for instance. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. And a bunch of apps on my phone in the last two weeks have all been updated. And I'm assuming that most of those are in preparation for um, iOS 13. Uh, so I'm dying to do it, but I'm going to wait to 13.1. I, I don't... I'm disappointed that it's as bad as it is. I don't remember an iOS update being this buggy and this wide reported, even on sites that seem to kiss Apple's ass left and right, and they can do no wrong, like John Gruber. Um, you know, even yeah. he is saying, "Yeah, I would probably wait to thirteen point one." I also heard um, Marco Arman, who's a Apple developer, develops Overcast on the Axel Tech Podcast, say, "Wait till thirteen point two because he says that he knows people who are running on 13.1 betas, and he says they're not much better. Hmm. It's know, concerning. Can't get onto, you can't get, it, can't get it for the iPad until it comes out on 13.1. Um, yeah, that's just next week. And, and yeah. I, I, yeah, but, but if it then comes out on the iPad and it's also buggy, that's also not great. Yeah. I, I, I uh, would, I there's a certain apps that I need for work, and there's no information online anywhere, whether they're fine under 13 or not and you know I, I wish i could have that information um i'm i'm holding off to 13.1 and it's killing me because they really want to update i really want to have that new apple carplay and my fear is that some of my critical apps that i need for work or that i use on a daily basis might not be solid and i can't have apps just crashing on me when i'm working i can't no, do that no i i completely agree I mean, and, and there's no way to go back if it is buggy yeah well that that's always the problem isn't it you're kind yeah. of committed then you know so yeah. uh yeah i mean if if dr mario stopped working my iphone i don't know what i'd do <laughs> i played it it's a pretty good app from Nintendo. I, I tell you i am i'm addicted i'm completely addicted it's got me so hard mm -hmm. uh i don't know what it is about it but i just you know I, i've always enjoyed that type of game but i've never you know, I played a lot of Tetris, obviously, who hasn't? But, um, 
yeah, it's really the whole, and particularly the kind of the the freemium mechanics they're running on uh, iOS are not too bad. In no. fact, that you know you get five or six goes before it. Uh, you can play for half an hour, forty minutes, depending on how good you are before before it, it's good, the uh, the time is going to run it. You can't play anymore, and that's enough for me. And uh, yeah, I I really uh, I'm really kind of. Um, caught by it unfortunately i think i played it for maybe a half hour at the most my problem with it and remember i'm way into classic gaming yeah is that the original dr mario i play that on my uh uh, retro pie yeah and it's in in a couple different versions i've got you know like the game boy ones and the nes ones and the super nes ones or whatever they are I've played them all, and they're really good, and I'm used to, and here's the point, I'm used to playing those games with a controller. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, my skill with the touch interface just isn't there. And look, I, I was one of the first people in the world to get an iPhone, so it's not like yeah. I'm not used to the touch interface. But I don't know, there's something about the mechanics of those type of games that my brain says, no, you need a controller to do this, yeah. and when I don't give it a controller, it just purposely messes with me i think i've got to be honest even on my 8 plus i'm frequently putting things in the wrong place so i i kind of feel you on that um i'm, I'm always dragging capsules out and uh, and yeah kind of missing where i want it to go and then really being annoyed to myself because that kind of ruins my game um the other thing as well is that uh, in terms of playing it i've actually played the other one having i've never played it before so having played it in the iphone i went back i've got the um Nintendo Online on my Switch, so yeah. I, I played the NES version. Oh, it's so good, is, isn't it? Which is available on the, it is, but the thing is, it's a different game. Oh, it is. The, the mechanics are, are pretty different from the iPhone version. Yeah, so but like my two, mind two is, games, you know. it is, and, and yeah. they're not the same game. I didn't want to insinuate yeah. that they are, but I, I don't know. I that's that's the Doctor Mario, and when they call this Doctor Mario, and they're similar enough, I, I can't do it. Yeah. And yeah. and I'll be honest with you, I played it for maybe five minutes on that phone, my iPhone uh, eight plus, and it was okay. I like it a lot better on the iPad. I need the bigger screen. Yeah, that's where to me it really excels because I'm a little bit better on the controls on on that than I am on the iPhone. And that may yeah. that just might be because I'm old. Yeah, I, I mean I I like to play on the phone because it's one of those you know if you have a few minutes and you're kind of bored and you don't want to get into the cesspool that's social media right um, it's a good way to spend 15 minutes while you wait for something to come out of a store or something like that so so i don't know if i've talked about this and i probably did years ago but there's only one game that i've been playing consistently on uh, my portable devices for many 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 years and i've, I've maxed out you know um experience and all that it can't get any higher on levels but they keep adding enough that keeps me coming back, uh, and that's Boom Beach. I've been playing Boom Beach for years. Yeah. Uh, Rich at my Mac is too. He's the only other person that's kind of in my little group on there. Occasionally, some Chinese or Russian guy would join our group, and then three days later they leave. Um, but <laughs> I've got so friendly. Well, I've got every single achievement except for one. Um, they have a new thing called Warships, and that's a lot of fun. They have different seasons, so it kind of starts over, and that's fun. And they've introduced new game mechanics as, as that part of the game. But the core is still there is exactly the same. And I still play it. I still play it every single day. If I've got five minutes, I'll bust it out, play a little bit, and put it away. Cool. Yeah. And that's I'm, been I'm, years, man. I mean, I, I can track this back to, like, geez, 2013, 2014. 20- 
12? Yeah, I, I'm kind of... I'm the same like that with um, the original Plants vs. Zombies. I have played the hell out of that and keep playing the hell out of that. And also, It's still, um, it's still on all my iOS devices, but I can't tell you the last time I've played it, but I won't delete it either. Yeah, uh, and the other one is Field Runners. That, yeah, that I gave up well. on that one. Yeah, uh, Robot Loves Kitty. I love that one. Yeah. You ever play it? I think I might have tried it once, but um, the kind of the aesthetic wasn't really my bag. Yeah, it's more eight bit than anything. Yeah. Maybe even four bit. I mean, the graphics are not great, but I like the gameplay mechanics, and uh, it's one of those games that I can pick up and play. Um, they're. <laughs> It's funny, if I just pull up my iPhone right now, I've got, and I use maybe 10 apps on a daily basis, I've got one, two, three, four, I've got five pages. And Dr. Mario, by the way, went to the cloud icon now. Mm. So, it's like, well, you haven't been playing this, and so has Mario Run. But I won't delete them off the phone, because I know I'm going to want to play it. Crossy Roads is another one. Every now and then, I'll, I'll break out Crossy Roads, and I'll play it. Um, but there's a, a few apps on here that I know for a fact I'm not going to play anytime soon and yet, or use anytime soon because they're not all games, um, that I just don't delete. They just kind of sit there. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I guess it's the idea of, of the, of the phone offloading stuff, but the, I, I think the other thing that worries me about the offloading is I'm always worried it's going to offload something big, <laughs> you know, some of these yeah. games. Yes, and you decide you want to play it, and all of a sudden it's... like three gig. Yeah, and you're like, well, I guess I'm not playing that after all. <laughs> That's fine. I kind of wanted to, and Apple decided I wasn't playing it for a while, so they took it off my phone. I don't know. That... I kind of got a, a little bit of a problem with that, maybe. I get why they do it. It, it. I guess it's a smart move, but I don't know. Just arbitrarily removing something off my phone while leaving the icon there without asking me. Ah. I don't know. I'm I'm mixed about that. You've, I don't you've know. given it permission to do that, but it would be nice that perhaps this is something that come on iOS 14 to actually tag some apps and say, whatever you do, don't delete these. Hmm. I don't know. You know. Funnily I'm, enough, I'm it, it never seems to get rid of the Apple apps. Yeah, shocker. <laughs> just, just saying. I tell shocker. you what, though. Since I got my Nintendo Switch, I hardly ever play games on my iPad and or my iPhone anymore. Well, you ordered I, the uh, Nintendo Switch Lite, yeah? I did. And I'll tell you for why. Because all the re- it's, it's due out today. All the reviews hit over the last couple of days, and pretty much every review I read online said, if you play your Switch in handheld mode, you should ha- get one of these instead. Yeah. They said, it's got unless a faster you wa- processor, doesn't unless, it? Yeah. Unless you want to play on the TV on a regular basis, this is a much better console than the, than the Switch in handheld mode. Now, yeah. I... I pretty much exclusively play my Switch in handheld mode. I think I've only... I docked it to charge it once on the on the dock downstairs, and I think I played it on the screen once, and the rest of the time I play it handheld. So I read that, and I thought, you know what? I should sell my current Switch and buy the uh, the light instead. And so that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I, I want another Switch. I just... I, financially, I just can't really justify it right now. Yeah. Um, Cole has pretty much adopted the Switch because there's three games that he plays the heck out of on there. And it's kind of become his gaming system of choice. And he plays it both on the TV 
and in handheld mode. So the the light wouldn't work for him. Yeah. Um, and honestly, if I got another switch, it would be my switch, and yeah. he could keep the because mine was a, a day one, the day it launched yeah. switch, yeah. and it did develop the um, Joy-Con. What do you call it? Uh, ours, ours has yeah. So I bought I bought ours. I think just over two years ago, just under two years ago, because I I bought yeah I bought it when I was on trips. It States. would just start drifting. Like it's called yeah, Joy-Con Drift. And we've got the drift on one of the controllers now, yep. so I actually bought the replacement parts to yep. replace it, and I'll be doing that this weekend. It's if you if you if you're comfortable working on fiddly electronics, it's not a hard job to do. I bought just new the. The Joy Cons, they were oh like yeah, but they're so seventy dollars. They're seventy bucks. Yeah, that's that's a lot of money for a controller. Yeah, but yeah, but I, and, I don't want to be screwing around with something. The first set you got broke because Nintendo didn't build them properly. That's true. <laughs> I kind of, and of course, in the states now, you can just call them up and they will replace them for free. But only in the states. Here in Europe, no, you're SOL. They will charge you if you want to replace them here. Why apparently the um, the manufacturing fault only applies in the states rather than anywhere else. I don't know, but hey, Nintendo. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind. Of, that's not good. It's not good, but yeah, and that, here I am, like a sucker, still giving them more money. Yeah, there you go. And I'm going to buy another one. <laughs> and you as well. Yeah. I'm going to fix my old one, then I'm going to sell it, and then I'm going to buy a new one. No, no, the ones that need fixing are on the kids' one, which is the one we're keeping. The ones that work are the ones on mine, which gotcha. I'm going to sell. So. Yeah. Well, we didn't get to a wiki trolling because <laughs> we had too good a content to talk about this week. Yeah. We'll get back there. Don't worry, guys. Uh, feedback. Please send some feedback. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Really, really want your feedback. Hey, if you updated your iPhone, let us know. And, and yeah. if you had, like, if there are certain apps that didn't work, or let us know that, too. I want to know. David wants to know. We want to share that with the, the listeners out there. Uh, so definitely send us some iOS 13, or if you get the new iPhone, you get an iOS or uh, an iPhone 11. Let us know that too. We want to know about it. So the show at techfanpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter, techfanpodcast, and we are on Facebook as well. David, I will see you next week. See you then. Look forward to it. <laughs>